Francophiles, je m'appelle Lou and I'm presenting this podcast to get your inner Frenchy vibes happening. In each episode, we chat about our French experiences with guests who live both in Australia and France and share ideas for how to connect to the Francophile within you. Merci beaucoup for all the fabulous feedback to the Lillabelle's podcasts so far. I have been thrilled to hear from Francophilers about how this little podcast is giving them a lovely escape during covid and helping them stay focused on a future when we can return to getting away to my fave travel destination, France. Now, today's guest has a wonderful French story to tell. Wendy Lee Taylor has been a friend of mine since we were about four or five years old when we started doing dancing together as little girls. And Wendy has spent much of her time since our early 20s living in Paris. Bienvenue to Little Belle's Francophiles, Wendy, and merci for spending this time with us. Bonsoir. Bonsoir there and bonjour here. Now, Wendy, tell us a little bit about what took you across to France in the first place. In the first place, I rang International Information, (laughs) which at the time there was no internet. So I rang International Information and said, could you please give me the number for the Lido in Paris? They put me through to the Lido. I ended up at reception. Reception said, I'll see if I can find the artistic director. You know, after I'd explained that I was an Australian dancer, was interested in finding out how I could apply for the Lido. And the next minute I had this very sexy male French voice saying to me, Bonsoir, yes, we love these Australian dancers here in Paris. (laughs) He said to me that Australian dancers have a great reputation in Paris and told me to send a video and a resume which I did, and a few months later I got a call back saying they'd like to offer me a job as a dancer. Oh, so voila, I, I um, How old were you then? up and left. I would have been 23. Beautiful time to be across the world to Paris. So, yeah, and then I started dancing as a bluebell. For those who don't know, bluebell is what we call a covered line. So in, in French cabaret there are the dancers who are topless and, and there are the dancers who are covered, you know, they're not topless. Mm, yeah. So I was in the bluebell line, which meant I was, you know, not topless. Of course, here it's completely accepted and normal and beautiful and all of that. But for me as a young Australian dancer, that was all a bit no, too I mean, much. So ve- I was, yeah, very different from what we have back yeah. in Australia. On my first trip to Paris, you were singing at the Lido and I caught up with you to watch a show from backstage. I had to pinch myself that I was actually backstage at the Paris Lido. I caught the metro to the stop near the Arc de Triomphe, I think, on the Champs-Élysées and then walked Uh down to the Lido and around the back to the stage and staff entrance. And I remember you came and met me there and took me through the rabbit warren that is the backstage corridors and change rooms there. There were feathers and sparkles and people rushing everywhere. And I sat on a little couch in a waiting area for a very short time after my initial tour with you and every single person who walked by was so beautifully kind they stopped to say bonjour they were so patient with me and my what was my rudimentary French as it was back then and then you came and brought me to a spot backstage where I could watch the show and even though you and I had danced together in shows numerous times over the years when we were younger nothing prepared me for the magic that I saw as I watched you singing on stage that night so what was it like working there during that time at the Lido when I was there visiting you 
Well, for me, that was the time that was the best because as a musical theatre performer, coming to be a dancer at the Lido wasn't really my ideal. I wanted to be singing. And so the Lido asked me to come back and sing before the show while people were having dinner with a live band. That was, for me, very much like those old movies where you've got the band and the chick singer oh, up there. Fabulous. Yes. Uh, for me, that was just much more, suited me much more than the than the feather show, if you like. Apart from one trip when I went to Paris when you were back visiting family in Australia, we've caught up each time I've come over there for my French fix. And in recent years, you've moved on from the Lido to singing with your own band in some of the coolest, I must say, the coolest jazz clubs in Paris. Tell me a bit about your jazz journey to where you're at now. Well, it actually started before I sang at the Lido. When I was dancing at the Lido and I wanted to be singing as well, I answered a little um, ad in a French-English contacts magazine and an English girl had put an ad to, she wanted to start up a little jazz vocal group. And we ended up practicing while I was still dancing at the Lido. So I was dancing in the evenings and then in the day we'd get together. We were three three singers and we did a sort of a mix between Manhattan Transfer and Andrew's sister's style repertoire of swing jazz. Oh, and when I finished my contract as a dancer at the Lido, we were sort of launched as this little jazz trio. And so I did that for about three years. Because I knew all of the old Gershwin Cole Porter mm. um, Irving Berlin tunes, which we used to sing, mm. you know, and dance to when we were kids, yes. that's actually a huge part of the jazz repertoire. So mm. I was able to slide into singing jazz fairly easily. I, I mean, I'd started playing in a few of the little jazz clubs around Paris. And this jazz club asked me to come back and do the cocktail hour throughout the whole summer. Mm-hmm. So you don't say no to that, do you? No. You don't say no to anything. <laughs> you don't say no. So I haven't spent the summer sort of singing cocktails in this jazz club on the Ile Saint-Louis. And then I got offered the singing job at the Lido. So then I did, I mean, that Lido gig was so great because I sang from like 8 o'clock until 9.30 every night. Mm. And so I used to go to the jazz clubs. I was actually able to do both. I was able to sing at the Lido and then go and hang out at the jazz clubs and, and either jam or I often had my own gigs as well. So I would do the Lido and then hop on my bike and ride ride along the Seine down to the Latin Quarter where I would, you know, go into the, go jazz into the club. little jazz clubs. And that was my life for 15 years. And then when my contract as a singer at the Lido finished, it was time for change. And I think you probably came that time would have been around, what, 2012, 13? Yes. Was around at yeah. the end of the Lido. Um, now I've got my own group. Now, you met your lovely husband, Philippe, in Paris. My partner, Paul, and I had dinner with you guys and your band in the Latin Quarter before you all performed at Carvo de la Huchette on my last visit. That performance was just out of this world. If the last 15 years before, you know, you left the Lido and you were going from singing there and then off to the Latin Quarter where anything like that, it would have been just the most amazing time. I felt like I was visiting Paris from another era, a la Owen Wilson in the movie Midnight in Paris. We went down a long winding flight of stairs which opened out into this wonderful performance space in the basement with loads of bench-tiered seating in an old shabby chic kind of style around a very well-polished dance floor in front of your stage. 
and you came out and started singing and at times tap dancing too and the audience bit by bit were getting up from their seats and doing the most amazing swing dancing. It was like what I imagine a club might have been like in the 30s, 40s or 50s last century. It was just so glamorous and so much fun and eventually the whole place had erupted into dance and song as the mood was just so contagious and through all the shenanigans you just kept performing and somehow you managed the crowd and you did it all in French tell me is this a regular evening for you (laughs) is this the way it always is uh not always but the the cover de la huchette is one of my favourite jazz venues because it's not only a jazz concert but it is the longest-running jazz club in Paris and it has been open since 1947 and every night, every single night since 1947, the only place left where you can actually dance to live music. It was amazing. It It was a really contagious feeling that everybody was just enjoying it, the music, on a really wonderful level together. On another evening a few years earlier, when you and Philippe were performing without the rest of the band at the Chez Papa Jazz Club in the Latin Quarter and my dad and I came to see your show. Um, Now, growing up, my dad, who was a jazz muso himself in his early life, played music for all of us dancing girls as we grew up and he teared up seeing you up there on stage. And then you did the most amazing thing and you called my beautiful dad up to play with you. So he played the piano while you were singing. Then I teared up seeing my lovely friend and my dear dad playing together in a Paris jazz club. It was such a wonderful lifetime memory. I can't recall, though, what he played and what you sang no, but, neither can I. But the, I, can, I can remember the emotional. Oh, that's what I was just thinking. Themselves. The memory of yeah. my sense of pride that night yeah. has stayed with me. What would you say to Australians when they plan a trip to Paris? Do they book ahead for jazz clubs or is it best to just check once they're there about what's playing that night or that week? You know, how can tourists um, find it, out what's going on and where they can go for that local Parisian depends. jazz club I experience? mean, if you look up jazz online now, if you want to see big stars you're better off booking ahead of time. The Cover de la Huchette, you can go any night and have great swing music. There's a great little book called Lilo, L-Y-L-O, that lists all of the concerts and performances that are on in Paris. So you can always pick that up in any of the little um, news agents. But I think these days just looking online is the best way to go. It's the best way to find out. Well, what are you working on now with your career? Now is an interesting time. My latest project has been a tribute to Fred Astaire, which has got me back tap dancing. Well, in fact, we did, a little, my... we did a little tap dancing project during, the COVID. You, during yeah. the COVID time and everybody was tap dancing from their homes all over the world doing the same steps that you sent to us all and then you put it together. That was, yes, COVID. But the Fred Astaire project started as a musical project. We put together an album. And then as I was recording the album, it was like, I can't do this without tap dancing. No. <laughs> I've got to tap. <laughs> so those tap shoes came out of the closet. So now I incorporate tap dancing with the jazz. So improvising, which is lots of fun. I love it. Yeah. The public loves it. It's lovely to have that throwback to Fred Astaire and a tribute to him too because I think that that's something that was really influential in our lives growing up. So I've often imagined packing up my life and moving to France. What is it like living there as an Aussie in Paris? Um, Living as an Aussie is good. 
it's actually very good to let people know you're Australian and not American and not English because the French have a different um, a different perspective. I think they're quite fascinated with Australia. Oh. Yeah, well, I think that we're we're rarer to the French, and Australia is so exotic to them. Um, and we don't think of ourselves as, but, as exotic, but they may do so. <laughs> we think yeah, of ourselves to, as being to, fairly to mundane. French people, very. I mean, it's it's the opposite. Australians think France French are exotic, and it's the opposite. The French think Australians are exotic. Yeah. Well, whereabouts in Paris do you live? Well, I actually live between two cities now because we have our apartment which is just in the north of Paris mm-hmm. and then my husband's parents lived down on the southwest coast of France just west of Bordeaux mm-hmm. so we now spend our time between the two. Are you up uh, near the Montmartre area in Paris? I had an apartment there which I had bought but when my husband and I got married, unfortunately, it wasn't practical for us to stay in that apartment because it was a four-floor walk-up mm. and he has a 100-kilo Hammond organ to transport <laughs> around when he plays and, you know, no lift and no parking. So it just wasn't practical. So I ended up selling that. And so now we spend more time down on the southwest coast than north of Paris now, especially mm. with COVID. And that's, I mean, uh, spending our time really, it's its really French. Paris is very, very international, whereas once you get out of Paris, you're dealing with, it's its France. It sounds wonderful, the very French and, I mean, the food and the wine in the south of France is just so good. Sounds magnifique. So I was wondering whether you would share with us some of your music, and you and I talked about this. In each episode of Lillabelle's Francophiles, I like to highlight some local French music. What's the song that you've chosen that you would like to share? Well, I thought, because recently a very well-known French chanteuse, her name is Juliette Greco, she was from the Saint-Germain when uh, these very left-bang artists were fashionable. She was a huge star in France. And she sang a song called Déshabillez-moi, which means undress me. But, of course, it's done in the French way. So she says, undress me. Well, not, not just yet. Take your time. Set the mood. Get everything into place. Get me excited and seduce me before and then finally it builds up to she's like, now take my clothes off now. <laughs> and it's a very, very suggestive song. And on my first album that I recorded, we did an, a, a very romantic arrangement of that song. So I thought that considering that she has recently passed away, it would be appropriate to hear that one. Sounds wonderful. I'll put the links for lots of what we've just chatted about and for your music on the website, lulubellsfrancophiles.com. Merci beaucoup for chatting to us about your extraordinary life in Paris and in France. I can't wait until I get back there to see you. And here is Wendy's version of Juliette Greco's song, Déshabillez-moi.
Déshabillez-moi. Déshabillez-moi. Oui, mais pas tout de suite. Pas trop vite. Sachez-me convoiter. Me désirer. Déshabillez-moi Déshabillez-moi Mais ne soyez pas comme Tous les hommes Et d'abord le regard Tout le temps de prévu Ne doit pas être rude Ni hagard Dévorez-moi des yeux Mais avec retenue Choisissez bien les mots Dirigez bien vos gestes Ni trop lent, ni trop leste Sur ma peau Voilà, c'est je suis Frémissante et au fait De votre main Soyez l'homme 
That was my very talented childhood friend Wendy Lee Taylor with her version of French star Juliette Greco's Déshabillez-moi. Now in each episode of the Little Bells Francophiles podcast, I like to share a French recipe. Today I am sharing one that my partner Paul, who is fabuleux in the kitchen, made for me this week. It has the very French combination of flavours of fennel and orange to accompany scallops and fish. And the flavours are so delicate together, yet really sing when they combine with the seafood. Paul adapted his version of this recipe from one he found in a terrific French cuisine blog that we follow called Cooking with Corinne, the best of French cuisine. I'll post a link to her site, Lifestyle Vacations France, and you'll find the original recipe there, along with loads of other French delectable treats that you might wish to make. Et c'est tout et la fini aujourd'hui. That is all for another episode of the LaBelle's Francophiles. I hope you've enjoyed listening and daydreaming for 20 minutes or so of France. I would love your Frenchy ideas that you'd like to hear about. Francophilers can leave feedback on the LaBelle'sFrancophile.com website and then together we can take this journey to share some of your story as well as my own. Follow on Instagram too for the daily posts that accompany each episode and we can become immersed in a variety of experiences de français together and keep our Frenchy vibes happening. Au revoir for now. Mm-hmm.